Welcome to Bound by Books. I'm Marianne Morea. I write paranormal romance and paranormal romantic suspense and all things that go bump in the night. Uh, I am joined by my co-host. Uh, my name is Sherry Hayes, and I have been writing contemporary romance and BDSM romance since uh, December of 2010. Oh, it is God. hard to believe that, that has been 12 years ago. <gasps> I know. I've been writing since 2010 as well, since August of 2010. But I have only been in indie since 2014. So, yeah. Um, yeah, since God was a boy, that's what it feels like sometimes. <laughs> it does, because you, you, you think about it. And when you're in it for so once you're in it for more than, I think, five years, it just kind of all starts to run together and you just you're so in the groove at that point that it just seems like it's always been this way. Yeah. Time you know? marches on. It marches on in words across the page and it marches on across my face these days too. I look back <laughs> and I see, I see pictures of me back when I first started and just this eager young author thinking I was going to take the, the paranormal book world by storm and, you know, I was so young and fresh and no wrinkles on my face. And now <laughs> I've, I've, I've turned into some of the hags that I write, oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> made the mother in the crone. I'm, I'm slowly edging into crone these days. So. <laughs> anyway. Oh yeah. I definitely, I will say it's, it's, it's what worried me then is not quite the same as what worries me now. <laughs> no, no, the same, the same, same, same. But oh. I have to say one thing that hasn't changed, at least for me as a paranormal author, is um, the creative well where our ideas spring from. That's kind oh, of, yeah. I think it's kind of an innate thing that that we that we're all mm -hmm. writers, all all creatives. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, all creatives. Yeah, they yeah. creatives minds work so differently than non-creatives. That's, yeah. that's something I have learned over the years because I'm married to a creative. I'm actually married to an artist. He chose woodworking as his medium, but he can draw and, you know, do all this stuff. And he builds things in his head. Like he can actually like put parts together in his head and he knows what, how to build these things. Just like, you know, with authors, you know, we have to kind of at least have a direction the story is going like we can't mm. be like even as a even as a pantser i i typically know like at least the next step that i'm going to go like i know where i'm leading them to like i i have that you know if this if i'm setting up like oh i'm going to have them go to you know the zoo or something I, I have to have a reason they're going and I have to have kind of a, okay, what's that leading this? How is this moving my plot along? Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. That's know. really important. Moving the plot along is something that's really important. I'm, yes. I'm kind of a hybrid of between a pantster and a plotter. <laughs> I mean, last yesterday, I didn't actually sit at my computer most of the day. I, um, I added, I added um, fourteen hundred words mm. uh, because I was editing. You know, so I get sitting at my computer is the wrong word. I wasn't actually putting new words. I was 
right. wordsmithing were... in a different way. It was editing right. and so forth. And I edited about 1400 words to the, to the manuscript mm -hmm. that I'm working on right now. But before that, I actually sat down with my notebook and I longhand managed to outline four chapters, you know, uh, so I know where I'm going. And I think it's because I'm coming out of the messy middle of my story. You know, I'm about I'm about 80% finished. I have only like 15,000 words to go, you know, maybe more, maybe mm. I'm 90% finished. You know, I feel like 15,000 words to go to get to my word limit. Now, will it stop there? Will the story mm. end there? People who are, are used to having an outline and they have the word the end typed at the end of their outline, it, this is where my pantster brain comes in because you know as well as I do, you have an idea of where the story is going to end, but the story is going to tell you when it's going to end. Yes. And this is over. Yes. Yeah, this is part of the creative process. It's kind mm -hmm. of it. You don't take it. It takes you mm -hmm. on the journey. Yes, it does. Which I will. Okay. I have to ask you because I'm sure the answer is yes, but actually we'll go to these. How often do you have people that come up to you and tell you that they have a great idea for you to write? Because uh, it happens to me a lot. <laughs> if I get people coming up to me to tell me a great, I have other authors that come up to me and say, you know, oh my God, we should get together, you know, and mm. do this. And I, certain people, I will say, yeah, sure. Other people, I would be like, I don't know about that, you know, because mm. part of being an author is, is I think you have a, a little bit of an ego because th think about it, you're creating worlds, you're creating entities and, yeah. you know, not to make it sound like a God complex, because that's not what I mean. I, I mean, but I, I mean, you're, you're, we tend to hold on to the stuff that we create because it's our baby, you know, we've given mm. birth to it and you don't want to share that with somebody. Or if somebody doesn't have the same kind of idea where you want mm. the story to go, it can cause a problem. You know, you yeah. have to find something, if you're going to co-write with somebody, you got to find somebody that you're really in, in. Like, I think I would have a really hard time writing with a plotter. I think I would be much, it would be much easier for me to write with a pantser where like say we were writing alternate point of views, like one person took the female point of view and one person took the male point of view in the story. That. And like, but you would have to write it. I would have to write with somebody who we were writing in sequential order, just like I did, just like I do. Because like I would, you know, whoever was opening would have to write their section and send it to the other person to then write their section you know, so it would have to be a back and forth like that. I don't know that I could write with someone else any other way, just because, again, it would be the writing process has to be similar. If you are if you are writing with somebody again, if I was writing with somebody that had a plot, I tend to I've tried to plot. I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I have tried and tried and tried to plot. And. It may last me for a couple of chapters and then I am off in La La Land. My creative juices start flowing and I go way, I go out in left field and the, the, the outline just goes in the garbage. It's completely useless. I wasted my time. So if I was writing with somebody as a, you know, doing a writing, how to be a writing partner that was a plotter and they were a hardcore plotter like Tina is. Mm -hmm. I think it would be very difficult to write together because 
she would be completely following her outline and wanting to find her follow her outline because that's how she's used to writing whereas i would get an idea as i'm writing and i would start you know turning my manuscript to where that is so yeah i think that would be very 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 hard to yeah, do you'd but have I, to, yeah you definitely have to have somebody that you jive with and that has mm-hmm. kind of the same kind of creative process that you have right but like for me being this hybrid you know ideas come while i'm writing ideas mm-hmm. come while when i'm thinking about the story in the shower when i'm in that twilight part of of sleep where i'm either just falling asleep or just waking up in the morning which mm-hmm. means you know i've got to have a pad and a pen next to my bed all the time where i'm scribbling things down so i don't forget them um but I have to say, when I know it's really flowing, it comes in dreams. You know, mm-hmm. I dream about my characters. I dream about the story, you know, and if I if something else intrudes, if another character from another book, you know, or another work in progress that I've got got going on um, decides to come knocking on the inside of my brain and tries to intrude, mm-hmm. it throws a monkey wrench into the works. It really does. Because then it like, it's like when you're in the, when you're, think about when you're in the middle of something and you're really, it's, you're really into it and somebody comes and interrupts you and mm-hmm. they break that flow. It's the same thing for me, you know? Now, it's, do you write only one book at a time or you write multiple books at a time? I, I have, right now I'm only writing this one. I have mm-hmm. another one that's sitting on the back burner and another one that is already intruded into my thoughts that will not get written until May. Um because it needs to be done for this convention that I'm going to mm-hmm. uh, in July. And, um, you know, I, I can hear people gasping going, oh, my God, she's going to start a book in May and have it finished for a convention mm-hmm. in July. Yeah, we can do that. You know, <laughs> you have- can do that. <laughs> Sherry cannot do that. <laughs> no, partly because Sherry never knows how long, how much writing time she's actually going to have. Yes, but that's, um... that's very true. That's very true. <laughs> so different circumstances. But, yeah. you know, anyway, I, it does. It, 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 it intrudes. It intrudes. Yeah. Now, see, I again, I don't write multiple books at the same time. I write what I'm focused on one story at a time. I write in sequential order. I don't I don't jump around my timeline. It's all very things. But I get my ideas from pretty much everywhere. I've said this to you again. I've had people ask. People are so fascinated when I meet them in person I always get one or two people when I go to a book signing, a live book signing that want to know about my writing process. They want to know, um, you know, how I got started and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, like I said, I have, I've had so many people also come up to me and ask, like say, oh, I have a really great idea for a book you should write. And I'm like, sometimes, sometimes it's like, okay, but you know, okay, sure. But most of the time, they're giving me like a thriller plot and I'm like I don't write thrillers I write romance novels how in the world am I writing a romance into a serial you know like like a serial killer stalking this person to you know to do I'm, I mean you can to a certain extent but like the, the what they're telling me it's like it's very you could tell well the focus is on the thrill you know on the like the stalking and the thriller aspect of it not on the romance because they've not given me any romantic partner 
character. Like everything they've told me. Has well, they maybe they figured that you would you'll take care of that bit. You know, you'll take care of that part. Yeah, you'll I'm build like, you a romance. Why, why don't you write that? If you <laughs> if you have that idea, why don't you write that? Because I have plenty of ideas. I do not need any more. I do not have the time to write all the ideas that float around in my head. Yeah, I don't me too. Need you to give me any more. Me too. And that's what I've found every single author, like published author that I have met at conventions because these, the people coming to me asking me to write the story for them are always readers um, or just random people that I think maybe they aren't readers, but just random people I meet at events. Um, but the people, the authors that will talk to me that we, when we talk about it, they're always telling me they never have enough time to write all the ideas that they have because That's they're very constantly true. getting ideas oh yeah oh yeah. stories I, I mean i i could be sitting outside in the springtime you know with a cup of coffee just kind of lifting my face to the sun just to kind of take a break and mm -hmm. it's like you know i've got people going hello are you in there um it's not because i'm they're knocking on my my door. They're knocking on the inside of my head. And mm -hmm. the people that are saying we have an idea for you are other characters that have that are kind of out there in the ether waiting for me to give them life. And mm -hmm. you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, I it's it's crazy when you say that authors hear voices, but we do. We hear voices. And it's not it, it's the voices of our characters that want their story told. So, you know, yeah. I have you ever like been sitting at a traffic light um, like in the, you know, like just kind of waiting, going about your business, running errands or whatever, and you'll catch a little snippet of somebody's story on the like, you know, often like on the sidewalk or, you know, in the gas station on the corner or coming out of the supermarket or what have you. And it'll it'll spark something right there for you, you know, that you'll get like, I wonder what made them look like that what made them whether they're you know they're they're laughing or they're crying or they're having an argument with somebody you know what precipitated that it's like i think authors are, are inherently people watchers too oh yes for sure you know and that's yeah. what i mean it's like that's why you get inspiration from anything but you're people watchers and you play you know name that emotion you know and what caused it mm -hmm. Yeah, I will say that that is one of the things that I I will say is really strong in me. I'm very I'm very much a student of human interaction, and I think most authors are. Yeah, you know, we find ourselves caught up in like a situation. I know when I was younger, I don't watch a lot of television anymore. But when I was younger, I used to watch scenes, like scenes that I, I liked. Well, I shouldn't say it. Scenes that I loved in TV shows or movies or whatever. I would watch them over and over and over again. And I was, every time I was focusing on something different, I was watching their hands gestures. I was watching their facial expressions, mm -hmm. yep. their body language, yep. all of that. And it, you know, how they were expressing their emotions, that kind of thing. And I do that in real life too. And sometimes I don't even catch myself, but yeah, I can pick up on, I can pick up on body language. Do you have, and, and, and maybe this is just me, but I don't think it is. You get, you want, when you meet somebody, like you can either get a good vibe or a bad vibe off of them mm -hmm. and like, but 
I've come to kind of realize that a lot of that is it's me reading their subconscious body, you know, there's a little body language and the way they're carrying themselves and holding themselves. And that's from just the natural observations that I have made over the years that are just natural to me, but they translate into my writing. I have to ask you because I, I'm the same way when it comes to watching scenes um, in movies and TV shows over and over again, the ones that just grab you by the face. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, when you're, when, when, I know for me, when I'm watching them over and over again and, and, and observing the different things that I, you know, because when you first watch it, it's, it's, there's so much going on on the screen that it's just, it's one mm-hmm. big, one big blur, but it's an emotional blur. And then when you watch it over and over again, like you say, you break it down. Do you always still have the same visceral reaction? Um, it depends, but yeah, sometimes I do. It depends on the scene and how emotional it is because sometimes it's, sometimes it's just a, you know, it's a scene where like a couple kisses for the first time or something like that. And over time that might get, you know, to the point where if I watch it enough, I'm, I can be so focused on the body language and the facial expressions and stuff where although I'm still kind of feeling it a little bit it's not as visceral as it was but a death scene I don't know for some reason like like death scenes and really emotional like loss type scenes not even death scenes loss scenes like someone is, you know, um, missing or, you know, like a child is missing. If I'm like, you know, they've been kidnapped or whatever, and there's this frantic whatever going on, that is very hard for me to turn off my natural instincts. You know, my natural, (laughs) I guess, you know, maternal instincts there. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, ah, but, you know, those type of things. So I think it depends on the scene. Um, but if it's a good scene, if it's a good emotional connection scene, then not usually. But that's the same as like there are books that I'll reread over and over and over again for it's different because I'm not watching the scene in front of my head, but I am watching how the author is leading the emotion, like carrying it over. Like right. I like in my writing, I like like I'm very much I like those emotional um moments like I like to have those really things so I use for those moments a lot of times I'll use staccato sentences yep which some authors do not like some authors are just like absolutely against staccato sentences but I write very down-to-earth realistic type things I I write like people talk like conversationally conversationally and so you know if somebody would if somebody would think, if I would normally think something in staccato, like, oh my goodness, what is going on? Then I'm <laughs> writing it like that. You know, I'm writing it in staccato. Um, so yeah. What about you? I do the same thing. I use short, punchy sentences. And then um, after a couple of those, it'll have a longer sentence and mm-hmm. then short, punchy sentences again. Um, sometimes I can't get away from long introspection, you know, um, but it has to be broken up at that point because the reader needs to be able to take a breath. You know, yes. the reader needs to take a breath. Same thing with highly mm-hmm. 
emotionally charged scenes because I, you know, me writing paranormal romantic suspense, there's a lot of action and some Mm -hmm. of it is a little dark, you know, because there's violence and so forth. So the reader needs to be able to exhale with something that's funny that happens, you know, or Mm -hmm. something silly or just, uh, you know, like, wait, wait, what, you know, that type of a, uh, that type of Mm -hmm. a, um, of a look or or a reaction. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I did, I still get the same visceral reaction for certain things, you know, certain scenes, you know, Pride and Prejudice is one of my favorite movies. And, um, the one with Kira Knightley is, is, um, absolutely scrummy. And, um, (laughs) I just there there's a the the scene at the at the end when he just says I love 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 you and you know and he he she just says your hands are cold and he kisses her hand and there's that sunlight behind it and everything and even though I have dissected that scene a hundred thousand times it's still I'm still like oh like that that kind of <laughs> you know just it just kind yeah. of just grabs my romantic vibe and just shakes yeah, it around it just, it just hits that yeah. romantic string inside you that yep. just yep. yeah yeah like it, it like i said it just depends on the scene but i've done it too on action scenes like if something has a really like for you know emotional or connect you know like some epic type right. action scene that struck a chord with me i will watch it and watch it and watch it and again i'm over time, the more I watch it, I'm paying attention not to the overall scene. I'm paying attention to where are their hands? What are they holding? How are they shifting their body and all that kind of stuff? And it translates. I use that and translate that into my writing. It helps rem- make the writing more realistic. I remember reading... um it's one of the one of the books in the Fever series, and I can't remember which one it was. But the main character was, you know, the female main character was out mm-hmm. um, because there were there there were these uh, entities, these dark fae entities that came out at night, and you know they were attracted to light. So if you know, and they 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 lived in the shadows. So when when you went into when you encountered one, if you were in the shadows they would just suck the life out of you and that not not like in a vampiric kind of way but just suck the life out of you so you were literally a dried husk and the way that that uh KMM wrote it it was something that i remember going up the steps of my basement in my old house and it was just such a dark kind of creepy place to be and the light i could see the light coming underneath the door there leading up to my main floor and all I kept thinking was that scene, and I would race up the steps like I was a, you know, like I was a a twelve year old child. Meanwhile, I'm a full grown oh. grown ass woman. But that's how oh. much it affected me, you know, mm. that it was, you know, being in the dark. And you wouldn't think writing what I write that I would be afraid of the dark, but I am. And I think maybe that's another impetus that helps me in my creative process is that I tap into those emotions that that make me uh that grab me by the throat and whether it's fear or um you know any kind of dread you know that is that's you know just um innate you know what i mean it's not something Mm -hmm. that it's 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 kind of uh something you don't control you know what i mean so well creators tend to be more empathetic like they just overall they tend to be more empathetic i mean they they feel very deeply and that's that's why 
you know, creatives tend to have issues with mental illness more often than, Mm. you know, the average because we feel so strongly. I mean, it's so, I mean, because think about it. If, if, I mean, you have, you could be watching a scene with these people are perfect strangers. They have, you have no connection to them. They did exist to you an hour or two hours ago. Okay. You have nothing, no connection to them. But you can be pulled in to this emotional connection to the point where you are sobbing uncontrollably. Right. I had that last night happen. You know, it's, it's just, you know, yeah, but I have the, I have what most of the people that I have met that have been, that, that really suffer strongly with depression, especially, and even anxiety, they tend to lean creative in some way, shape or form. They, they have that creative vibe to them. And it just, I think it just makes it so that they, they feel so strongly. And so, you know, they're so connected to those emotional reactions and things. And it's just, you know, it, 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 we, we feel things, we take them personally, which, you know, (laughs) we take those things personally, which is why reviews. Oh my goodness. When you're a newbie author, it's like, you got to get that thicker skin because if you don't, oh my goodness, the, the emotions, you know, to have somebody, you know, again, you've written, you've spent how many hours working on this book and you put, you put all this work into it and you put it out there and then you have somebody completely trash. Well, I think it's the, you know, the old, the old saying of, you know, the tortured artist, you know, and most mm-hmm. people think of the painters, you know, like Van Gogh and so forth. And, you know, that, but any kind of creative is going to have mm-hmm. um, those moments. And we, you know, did you ever, you know, that there are people, who, people who lead super, super happy lives, you know, that they, that it's really hard for them to, mm-hmm emote in terms of in terms of anything in a creative sense because they don't have anything that has happened to them internally that there's no there's nothing to pull from you know what I mean there's nothing there's nothing that's happened to them that that is deep enough or has made an made an indelible mark on them that they can pull from you know, and whether you're writing fantasy or whether you're writing, you know, uh, romance or any, any, anything, you need something where you can pull from the deepest core of you and basically bear your soul on the page. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, people who are either very, very shallow or people who have, like I said, have, have led lives where there's absolutely no stress and they've never had anything to worry about they have nothing to pull from, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, they, they, it's, there's, there's nothing there. It's all fluff, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that the people who, who have the ability, whether it's because like you said, they're super, super empath, you know, empathic and they can feel what other people are feeling in terms of their pain or, 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 or Mm -hmm. things that they're, they're agonizing over or, or loss or just hurt or what have you. Um, that that can be also some you know how 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 we pull you know or not just from experience, our you know, right, not, yeah. you know not just from our own oh. like you said life mm-hmm. experience but from other people's as well right 
Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm making myself sound crazy. I mean, I'm not a nutter, but you know, (laughs) this is, this is part of it. You know, it's part of the creative process. Yeah. But creative, I mean, that's the thing. Creatives brains do work a little bit differently because I mean, I, I have, I've had people come up to me, like I said, several times and be like, how do you do this? Like how, how do you write this? And they may enjoy reading books, but they, they just, their brains don't work like that. They're, they're too, they're almost too logical in their, the way they, they think because it's, they can't get outside of the real. Like if it's, if it's nonfiction, they're fine, but they have trouble getting in that, tapping into that creative side where they're making things up where they're making stories up and can still be emotive about it yeah I know I I, and I understand that part I agree with that too um the other thing I think is also people don't know how to um craft words to make Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. to to convey the kind of emotion that needs to be conveyed on a page to make it Mm -hmm. a page turner yeah, they don't you know how to express themselves well, I think. Um, well, it's sometimes. part of the, it's, I mean, everybody, every creative has their own medium. I mean, you were right, talking right, about right. your husband mm-hmm. chose to, to, to work with wood. You know, my mother used to paint, you know, that mm-hmm. was one of the things, ways that she expressed her creativity. You know, right. I, I do so with, with my words and as you, as you do, and as all, most of our friends do, you know, because we're a community, um, but there are some people who just don't know how to do that. You know, and and mm-hmm. as much as they may want to, like, I wish I could sing. I wish I could sing. And I don't go there because I know you can <laughs> very well. Sherry's got a beautiful voice. She's super, super talented. So but I wish I could sing and I can't. But I yeah. haven't let you know, I haven't. I, I find other ways to mm-hmm. express that joy. Yeah, I, I think the thing is, is I think most people have a little bit of creative in them, even it, it just varies. But I do think most people have a little bit of creative in it. The problem is, is that if you don't find the right medium for your creativity, it doesn't always translate. Like somebody mm-hmm. might be really creative and great at drawing, but if you put them in, you know, of you know give them a score of music they're going to be completely they're, they're just going to even if they even if they could technically play the the notes it may not they may not be able to give any emotion to that where they may be able to you know watch a scene in a park and draw it and have it be so detailed and expressive but you understand know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't find your right medium, even if you no, do have that creative vibe, yep, then it, it may not give you that same reaction because I, I don't like woodwork. I mean, woodwork again, woodworking is very creative. Some of the stuff that my husband does that he pulls me into, it's very creative. And I do well on the design part. Like I can help him with the design, but the actual stuff, I do help him with it, but it does nothing for me. Like there's no, for him, it's, you know, it's creating that physical piece of furniture or cabinetry or what have you gives him 
it's an it's an emotional experience for him. He and probably sees it in his head exactly. before it even it even comes comes from his fingers. Yeah, right. and, you know, it's just like you and I. We envision the mm-hmm. scenes in our head of our characters. We know what you know, we know what they're feeling. We know what they're going to say and do. Um, and you know, mm-hmm. they will tell us when they want something different that we have. In, you know, if we have had an idea and they don't want to do it, mm-hmm. they're, that they're they're going to lead us in a in a completely different sec different lead right. us and the story in a completely different way. I will I will say one of the things that I have again that I've encountered the difference between plotters and pantsers uh, a lot is that as a pantser I I like I said I let the story kind of guide me and if I start going down a path and I will know fairly quickly usually within a thousand words if I'm going down the wrong path that my story does not want to go down that path because the words were slowly become harder and harder to write. I will mm. sit there and be like, okay, this writing one, writing a sentence. And then I'll be sitting there for five minutes and like, okay, writing another sentence. And then waiting another five minutes to write another sentence. Whereas if it's, if, if I'm going down the right path and it's flowing, I'm flowing. Like I can write, over usually over a thousand words in an hour um if the things if it's flowing if it's not flowing i may be spending three hours trying to get 500 words yeah no i've been there done that too (laughs) been there done that too i mean like look yeah yesterday was 1400 word day the day before that Mm -hmm. was 5000 the day before that was 5000 it's because i was i was finally Mm -hmm. like i said out of that mucky messy middle of the story where for somebody who's a panster there's so many different paths the story can go from there, mm-hmm. you know, to get to the end where we know where we want to be at the end. We know, and mm-hmm. I, well, at least I have an idea of where, of what the ending is going to be. And mm-hmm. for me, I, I knew the ending of this story before I even wrote the first chapter. I knew mm-hmm. what was going to happen with this. It's just that now things have taken a different turn as I'm writing. It's now we've got some espionage going on. And now we've got some, we've got people that are that are planning to 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 you know to try and take out my main character. Did that oh. was that something that was going to happen before? No, but we've got an attempted kidnapping happening now that didn't happen before. Wow. So it's like it, it's like the the evolution of a story is like I don't know. It's like watching a flower open, you know. Yeah, I. I mean, with the story that I'm working on, it, it's kind of interesting because it's in some ways sort of a prequel to the story I just published. Um, the the uh, hero of my uh, of claiming his kiss, he has three adult children, and so I introduced all of the children in his story. And I've decided to go back and write a story for each of the children. However, however, his daughter and her man are already together in claiming his kiss. So I'm having to go back a year before claiming his kiss to write 
Cassie and Jesse's story. And so it's kind of a prequel. And I, I have to be careful because there are some things about their relationship that I revealed or hinted at in claiming his kiss. So now I have to go back and make sure that I pick up all this. So it's a little complicated in that. Yeah. But, no, but you I mean- know, it is what it is. And we were talking about ideas. That particular idea was, you know, came to me to write their stories because I, I was writing them into, you know, claiming his kiss. I was writing them into that story. And so I, as I got in more into it, I'm like, you know, these are all adults. This would be a good trilogy you know, to do their stories. And so that's what we're going for. We're going to do that. But that's um, one of the, I think that's, that's one of the pitfalls of being a pantster is that Mm -hmm. when you put foreshadowing in your book and you hint about things that are, that are, that are going to happen, you have to make sure that you go back and you highlight that in like certain, like print out a draft and highlight that foreshadowing or else you're going to forget. And that's going to be an open plot hole that didn't get mm-hmm. fixed or finished. Um, and that's one of the one of the, the the drawbacks is that you need to be able to to keep an eye on on some of the stuff because as you're writing it, yes. you're like, oh my god, this is really good. This is this is really good. I could take I could pick this up later. But if you forget mm-hmm. about it and you don't pick it up, guess who's going to remind you? that you have yes your readers oh my goodness yes your readers yes there is a reason why i have a beta reader who i i send it to her before i send it to anyone else and she's really good at like picking up inconsistencies (laughs) which is great I have questions right here. I don't know if you can see my notebook. Oh, no. No. It's, no. It's, anyway. It's washing um, it. <laughs> that's right. Uh, questions that I'm writing my to myself as I'm going mm. on. Okay, remember I've this. I've done that before. You know? Yep. How did, how did so-and-so find this? What did, you know, you know, how come he, you know, oh, you didn't, you didn't put this in there. Make sure you go back and fix that. So mm-hmm. all in all, it's a process that um, is not for the faint of heart. I think, um there's amongst creatives, writers in particular, because that's our medium, there are certain things that are universal, you know, that, you know, and having a creative well being one of them and having, you know, different ways to fill that creative well really depends on you as a person, your life experience, mm-hmm. the level of emotion, how, how, how much you tap into people around you and what genre you're writing yep and how observant you are Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different ways that ideas come to us but I think it's probably safe to say that our ideas come from a place within us that is kind of unfathomable it's yeah it's it's called talent yeah, it, it really, I mean, ideas, sparks of ideas, I should say, really can come from anywhere. Um, I've gotten ideas from music. I've gotten ideas from news programs. I've gotten ideas from writing other stories. So it, it just, you can get your ideas from anywhere, but it really is a matter of learning how to take those sparks of ideas and translate those into compelling stories. Yep. 
And that is where the talent comes in. Yeah, I agree. But if, you know, those sparks can come at you from, you know, if, if they're, think of it as, as sparks from a fireplace that are hitting a slate hearthstone. They're not going to catch fire there because there's no talent. There's nothing, you know, it's the same thing. There has, those sparks can come from wherever, wherever, and from whomever, but mm-hmm. they, in order for them to alight, that's, mm-hmm. that's the part of you that's in your core that is undefinable. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just mm-hmm. something that is part of you. And, I, and any creative will tell you that if you don't create, if you don't like for me, I don't write the stories will still come. Even if I don't put them on paper, they'll still come. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I used to, uh, bef- before I started writing, cause I did, I started writing very late. Um, and before I started writing, I used to just make up the stories in my head. Yeah. That's what I mean. And stories I, I just come. didn't write them down, but, or and, and, and the, the, I will be honest. It wasn't, they weren't really, like full length stories, like my books are, um, they were seen more scenes. Mm-hmm. Like I would, I would just play out scenes in my head and, um, you know, go from there. And sometimes if it, if, if I really kind of caught onto a character, I would there, I would do a scene, you know, I would replay a scene in my head and then maybe the next day or whatever, when I was kind of thinking about that again, I'd pick up the story where I left off and continue on and see like, okay, well, what would happen next? So yeah, if you're, if you're a creative and whether if writing's your media or not, but obviously we're kind of specifically talking about writing here um, since we're both authors, uh, find, find a, find a creative outlet for your creativity. Don't just bottle it up because I never thought I could write. I never considered writing because I was not a strong speller. I had a really hard time in school. I did not get A's like a lot of writers did in English. Um, If I got B's, I was thrilled because back then, um, I know a lot of schools today use a lot of computers. Um, but Marianne and I are from the generations that we all hand wrote everything. <laughs> pencil and eraser. School. Yes, pencil and eraser. So you didn't have spell check. You had your memory. You know, you had to memorize words and, you know, remember how to spell them. And I was not good at that. Um, so, you know, and there's some grammar rules. Eh, I was okay on grammar rules, but with commas and stuff like that. But um, spelling was my big thing. And I never thought that I would ever, it was never considered that I would be an author, you know, published author, because I was such a bad speller. What I didn't realize back then was that that's why you pay editors. (laughs) You pay people to go through your story and do all those red marks so that you can fix them. You know, they, they flag them and fix them for you so I didn't realize that at the time so I never really considered it but um so I didn't write my first I think I started writing when I was like 27 28 was the first time I wrote my first story um and it was a fan fiction so I mean before then and I and even then I never considered publish really publishing it I didn't even want to post it online and only did so because 
I showed a couple of my first couple of chapters to um, some online friends and they encouraged us like, you have to post this. This is really good. You have to post this. So without that, I would have never done that and I would never be where I am today. So um, find an outlet for your creativity, even if it's not something that you you know, are going to get paid for per se. I mean, and if you think you have some talent, you know, fine, but maybe you're just not quite sure, find some beta readers, find, even if you got to have to get a developmental editor, um, you know, something like that. Um, I know for us, um, it's, you know, it's been an important thing. I have a sister-in-law who, um, she has learning disabilities and along with a few other, um, mental health issues. And she's really struggling to find an outlet, um, for her. So we're, um, I'm, she's writing a story right now. And, you know, I know going into it, it's going to take a lot of work to get it to a publishable state. Um, but I've told her that I will help her, uh, go through it and, um, see if we can get something that's publishable and her daughter who has autism uh has volunteered to she likes to draw so she's volunteered to do the um the drawings and stuff because it'll be a children's book that's nice so so yeah so it's going to be a lot of work i'm yeah. i know that going into it um it actually sounds but, like fun yeah but i mean it's a cre- but it it'll give her a creative outlet and something that she can be proud of, um, that she's accomplished. So I'm really excited about that. So when that happens and we get to that point, if it ever comes to fruition, I will share it with you guys on the podcast um, and let you guys know it's coming out. So, but I think we should probably wrap things up for today. And I think that's a really good positive place to stop. Um, I hope you all have enjoyed um the episode today um if you are currently writing i'm curious uh let us know uh you can hop over to the website the uh, link is in the description um let us know are you a plotter or a pantser and where do you get your ideas where do you get it do you get them from listening to the radio do you get them from watching people on the street let us know uh until next time have a great week of writing. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Bound by Books podcast. For more information about the show and all of our hosts, visit our website at www.boundbybookspodcast.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.